everybody. Glad to have you with me. If this is your first time here, welcome. Glad to have you along for the ride. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark, coming to you from the heart of Cajun country. And just if you want to know how far down in Cajun country I am, LSU's Coach O, I can understand him without subtitles, just to give you a little bit of an idea. Now, to be honest, we're pretty much on our computers almost just about every day. How often do you think of how you interact with that computer? Whether you use your keyboard, whether you use a mouse, whether you use a trackpad, or you use your fingers, you know, as a stylus or a stylus, not many people think about how you actually interact with your computer to get it to do what it's supposed to do. Now, me being the weirdo that I am, I do kind of think about these things every now and then. And on top of that, I've been searching for a really good proper gaming mouse just because I've been playing a lot more games lately. So I've been kind of in that mouse mindset. So that's where we're going to go today. How did all of these things start? Why did they work? You know, the different designs of them. What's the advantages of each one? Are there different kinds? You know, how do they actually work? And of course, I'll answer that big question is there a perfect mouse? But you have to stay tuned for that. But before we jump into that, don't forget, check out the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. You can check out the show prep right underneath the embedded player. So anything that I talk about today or on any of the past episodes, you can go check that out. Everything's there. If it's not up on the current season, at the bottom, once you get in there, there's going to be the archive. You can check that and that'll have all the past seasons for all the show prep for all the episodes at least the ones that actually warranted having show prep. Some of them didn't. But for the most part, every episode has a page of show prep, so you can go check and see everything that I'm talking about today. Check that out, downsouthitpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can check out all kinds of cool stuff. You can check out the merch store. You can check out, which I actually did put a new uh, design on there. So the the new design for Season 7, which is I'm calling the, the Red Blast which kind of reminds me of a red blaster bolt from a stormtrooper from a certain movie. So you might want to go check that out. You can get that on. I think they do have hats now. So that's awesome. You can, you can get a down South it podcast hat, get the logo, support your boy and everything that I sell on there does go toward the podcast. So I can do some different builds and cool stuff like that later on. So please, if you don't mind, go check that out. T-shirts, classic tees are always going to be $17.99. You can get any design you want. Check that out, and the link is at the top of the website. Just look for that store link. It'll take you right there. Now, if you're ready, let's hit it. So what exactly is a computer mouse? And according to our good friends at Wikipedia, they usually have fairly good definitions on tech stuff. We'll go with them again, and they come up with a computer mouse is a handheld pointing device that detects two-dimensional movement relative to a surface. This motion is usually translated into the motion of a pointer on a display, which allows smooth control of a graphical user interface of a computer. This one actually is actually pretty good, the depending, because you are only using two axes. You're only using the X and the Y axes. You're not using Z because this isn't a 3D type thing. So you are only going up and up and down and left and right. And of course, all the different in things in between. So theirs is actually really good, and especially the part where it says the motion is relative to a surface. Because 
any computer mouse is going to sit on a surface. It's going to be on a desk, on a mouse pad, on, you know, something. So relative to that surface is where your pointer will go on the thing. The other good part about this, and I'll kind of get into this whenever I jump into the history section, is that it controls a pointer on a display. Now, the first known computer mouse, which would, well, it's not, it wasn't a computer mouse at that point, but it was the very much a prototype and a precursor to modern computer mice, was developed way back in 1947. And that was actually used in conjunction with a fairly sophisticated radar system but that was basically the first operational mouse that we had that was basically a cursor on a screen that can be controlled by a human. Now, fast forward about a decade and a half, and you get to 1961, where the actual first mouse that we know of was created. It was actually a wooden block with some wheels underneath it, which had electrical wires that ran to a couple of transistors. And those measured the X and Y, you know, debating on where your hand was. It even had a little snapshot button on it. So 1961 was the actual first mouse that we know of that would be considered a modern mouse. Now, in 1963, the first trackball mouse came by in Germany by a guy named Ivan Sutherland. And he basically had stationary wheels where with a trackball, if if you're old enough to meet like me, you know what a trackball is. And basically it's a, a rubber ball that as you move the mouse would move other wheels inside the mouse that would show where the mouse was actually moving. And that was way back in 1963 when he developed his version of Sketchpad, which was kind of a precursor to, uh, I guess it would be Microsoft Paint would be the closest analogy to it. So if you know what Microsoft Paint is, very basic, nothing, no colors, no nothing like that. But you were able to actually use a mouse in, you know, a actual modern mouse to draw something on a graphical user interface. So that was the actual first, you know, known use of a mouse on a computer program. And if you fast forward a little bit more back in the late 60s, you actually had a guy named Doug Engelbert who was working at Stanford Research Institute and they basically came up with the almost kind of the proto World Wide Web. They called it the online system and this used hyperlinks and different things like that. But more importantly, in, in our case, they had the first production three button mouse to go along with that demonstration for using online resources. So this is kind of, like I said, it's very much the precursor to the, the World Wide Web as we know it now, but it's still, it was very basic. But again, we have an actual mouse now. And this, this was a plastic version, similar to what we have now, has three buttons on it, similar to what we have now. It's almost kind of crazy to think that computers and, you know, mice and the things that we deal with every day and pretty much take for granted went back that far. You know, when I was doing research on this, I, I, I knew about whenever the computer age kind of started, you know, it was going to be mid, early to mid seventies, give or take, you know, I kind of had an idea, but I didn't think that all of this went back quite that far. So that actually kind of surprised me. Now jumping ahead to 1971, when Xerox launched their first 
basically consumer PC, they had a trackball mouse based on the design from 1961. And that one was actually bundled in with that computer. So in 1971, Xerox came out with their first full-fledged computer with a computer mouse. Now, this wasn't a consumer or able to be bought by the general public. That actually goes to the Altair, and that was not till 1974. So this was a couple of years ahead of any kind of real consumer you know, computer sales. But businesses and corporations were allowed to buy those, so that's basically who they were marketing those to. Now, really and truly, you didn't have a whole lot of design changes as far as mice goes from the late 70s all the way up until probably the early to mid 90s, simply because there wasn't a whole lot of technology back then. The The big technology boom in the 80s allowed some different technologies to come through to the consumer space but they weren't commercially viable until, you know, the mid the early to mid 90s, like your LEDs, your optical, you know, lasers and different things like that. So for the most part, the only difference in the design of mice for computers was basically the outside housing. Every all of them use trackballs. And if like I said earlier, if you if you're old enough like me, you remember those trackballs and how nasty them things got. And you'd have to take them out periodically and clean them. If you had pets, it was even worse because you'd have cat and dog hair lodged in those. And it was just a complete pain to keep those things clean and working correctly. And you had to wash the ball and stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was pretty much a nightmare. But once we got past that, which was a very good time in my life when we started using optical technology and lasers and LEDs, you didn't have to worry about that so much. But really, the design of them, like I said, was more along the lines of just the housing. It was, was it a squarish housing? Was it a circular housing? Was it, does it resemble the, the you know, modern mouse that we use now? Did it have one, two, or three buttons? You know, it was, that was basically the only design differences in those things. There really wasn't a whole lot else to those. Really, the only thing that stuck throughout the entire time of between, you know, the mid to late 60s all the way up until now is the term mouse. And that can actually be traced back all the way to 1965. A guy named Bill English published a a paper called Computer Aided Display Control, and he likened the design of the first computer mice to an actual mouse with the cord resembling the tail and the actual body of the mouse, you know, looking like a rodent that's kind of huddled up. So that's actually where that came from. Now, granted, we have most modern mice now do not look like that, thank goodness. But that is where the name came from. And unfortunately, or fortunately for us, it stuck. Now, all told, there's a few different types of mouse There's wheel mice, which are the ones like the original ones with the actual wheels underneath that would track where the mouse went. We have trackball, which are the ones like we had in the in the 80s and everything with the the actual rubber trackball in them. Now we use more optical sensors. We use LEDs, lasers, optoelectronics, which are basically mini cameras and gyroscopic 
And you don't really hear about gyroscopic ones very much because those are more for industrial use and different things like that. But they basically work the same way as optical mice and everything else. But instead of using an actual camera or a sensor, the sensors they use measure the inertia of whenever you actually move the mouse. They know how far based on how hard you push the mouse to each side or up and down. So it's, it's kind of a cool concept, but you don't really see those or hear about those very much. Mostly what we deal with now is going to be the optical type, which is the LEDs, the lasers, or like I said, the optoelectronics. Now they do have a lot of different designs of mice, and each one is kind of, kind of specialized, believe it or not. We do have the normal style, kind of hourglass-shaped you know, mouse, which is basically a very simple design it's supposedly ambidextrous depending on the button layout that way you can use it if you're left or right-handed we do have travel mice which are supposedly a little bit smaller you know allowing for to be able to pack and pack away and not take up a whole lot of space but still give you the option to use a mouse if you really want to we do have gaming mice, which those are a really big thing right now. And that's actually what got me going into this to, uh, this time. But the really, there's not much difference in, well, there is a difference between a regular mouse and a gaming mouse, but it, the difference is subtle to say the least. They do have something called a vertical mouse, which is actually, it looks similar to a really fat joystick that you hold vertically in your hand and you move it around and the buttons are on the inside. It's kind of a, it's a weird look, but I, you know, if somebody has deficiencies or if you're disabled or anything like that, and that's what you, that's all you can use. I'm glad they actually have that kind of thing. Cause that's, that's actually pretty cool. I've never seen one or used one, but the fact that they have them is, and that's cool. I like that. They do have what is called a space ball or a trackball mouse, and it's not the old style trackball. It's actually, it's a stationary mouse with a spinning ball on it, like the trackballs that were underneath the mice before. And believe it or not, these actually get used quite often. Um, a lot of, if you're doing a lot of photography or video editing or stuff like that, that kind of that work kind of lends itself more towards that if you're doing a lot of you know editing and color correction and stuff like that those balls actually help that type of thing uh, they do have ergonomic mice which are you know so very much kind of slanted to one side depending if you're left or right-handed that way it kind of takes the pressure off of your elbow and your your wrist whenever you're using them and they have joysticks you know, a joystick would be considered a mouse just for because it moves a cursor on the on the screen. So a joystick would be considered a mouse. Now, the difference between a regular mouse and a gaming mouse. This one, like I said, it's subtle, but it's not so subtle. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain, but I'm going to try it anyway. So basically, what especially if you're using an optoelectric mouse, a mouse with a optical sensor, that sensor pulls so many times per second. So if you're using a regular mouse, it may pull anywhere from 400 to 1,000 times per second. And basically that just reads how many times that optical sensor will read whether or not the mouse is moving. 
And if it does, if it is moving, it'll show how far it's moving that many times per second. When you're talking about gaming mice, then you're talking about optical sensors that can get up to anywhere from 1,000 all the way to 4,000, 8,000. There's even 12,000 pole per second sensors. Now, granted, is that overkill? Yeah, probably. Will it actually help you do anything in game? Probably not, to be honest. But if you want something that's going to be very accurate to what your movements are, you want something with a much higher polling rate. So the higher the polling rate, the more accurate that mouse is going to be. So that's one half of gaming mice. Now, when you get into the other side of it, it's going to be latency. Now, the latency is basically from the time that you click till the time that something happens on screen. That's the latency. So it's just basically the dead, the dead time between your action and what happens on the computer. And there's a lot of things that can take up and, you know, make your latency worse or better. But the whole name of the game is you want your latency to be pretty much zero. It's never going to be exactly zero, but you want to get it as close to that as you possibly can. Because that way, no matter what you do, there's no lag between you doing it and it showing up on screen. So that's basically the, the, the two things that, that they kind of brag about as far as gaming mice and stuff like that. Now, are there normal mice that can be used for gaming and everything like that? Absolutely. Absolutely, they do. There's several out there that are great, you know, just all around mice that can do a little bit of everything. And there's no problem in using those if you really want to or if your budget won't allow it. Fine. You know, you can use whatever you like. That's the that's the best part about this. The thing I really don't like is manufacturers that start embellishing and saying that this mouse will make things better no matter what you do. And, you know, they try to hype up their their product to make it seem like if you buy their product, you know, you'll be so much better at this or whatever. That's where it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Now, the other big argument that you have between regular PC users, gamers, you know, anybody else that uses a actual mouse is whether you go wired or wireless. This is a pretty big argument. And to be honest, right now, you really don't have to make that argument because either one of them is going to be fine for the most part. If you're doing regular stuff, surfing the web and that kind of thing, you will absolutely not notice any difference at all, whether you use a wireless mouse or whether you use a wired mouse. There's the, the, dif- the difference between those as far as latency and usability is pretty much negligible. So whichever one you want, if you don't want wires, guess what? Get a wireless. It's up to you. But the actual performance is not going to be that much different that you will actually notice. Now, if you're one of the ones that, you know, absolutely does not like wires hanging everywhere and you want a wireless, go for it. If you don't mind wires, guess what? You don't have to change batteries either. Because that's really the only drawback at this point to a wireless mouse is the battery situation. You know, if you're playing a game or something and your battery happens to die, guess what? You're probably going to die too. That's just the way it goes. Now, if you do decide to go wireless mouse for some reason, um, I actually am on a wireless mouse now and I absolutely love it. At least 
so far. I haven't really used it, but for a few days, so I'm still really getting used to it. But I'm not going to say the brand or anything like that because hey, they don't pay me to advertise, so I'm not going to. And if they really want me to, then guess what? They can hit me up. I'll advertise all day long for them. But until then, I'm not going to spout off which one it is. Just know that it's a black one with a G logo on it. And that's about all I'm going to say. But once you decide, okay, I want a wireless mouse, what do you go for? Do you do RF, radio frequency, or do you do Bluetooth? Now, granted, Bluetooth you can use with just about any device that has Bluetooth on it. So you can use those with either an Xbox or a PlayStation or a PC if you have Bluetooth on that PC, laptop, you know, different things like that. Or if you use radio frequency, if you use RF, it's probably going to have a little plug-in USB dongle. And that's, you know, what you're going to use to actually communicate to the mouse, to the computer. Granted, even most RF mice will work if you plug in the dongle on a gaming console or something. So it's not a end-all be-all that it has to be a Bluetooth mouse to work with that. But some of them will not won't let you do that so it just kind of depends on the manufacturer and that type of thing but the crux of the matter is should you go bluetooth or should you go radio frequency and to be honest they both have their pros and cons radio frequency will give you a little bit better range um being that most of them run on a 2.4 gigahertz you know uh, connection which is the same as your wi-fi and your cordless phone at your at your house even some microwaves put out 2.4, kind of depends on how that works. So there is a chance for interference if you do use that one. Bluetooth does have a limited range of about you know 20 to 30 feet. Stuff does happen, but on the plus side for Bluetooth, you do get a lot more information from the device that you have it plugged into. For instance, it can show you live battery data. So you will know what, how much battery you have left in that wireless mouse at any given time. Not all RF mice will do that. They'll be able to work, you know, that you can change profiles and different things like that, but they won't send and give you as much information as you do over a Bluetooth connection. And that's just basically the means by the connection. Bluetooth, you can send a lot more information over that connection. So that's why you can get a lot more stuff like that. You can get the back and forth to the computer from the mouse. But as far as performance goes, they're really fairly similar. You're not going to really see very much difference between the two. So whether you choose an RF or a Bluetooth, it kind of depends on your situation. And it really depends on what you actually have that you're planning on plugging it into. So if you have a laptop that you're looking to put a mouse on, if you want a Bluetooth mouse to where you don't have to carry that extra dongle that may get lost, it's probably a little easier to find a Bluetooth mouse. Now, granted, the Bluetooth mice are going to be a little more expensive. You're going to run for you know a decent Bluetooth mouse. You're going to run about 25 to 30 bucks. If you want a RF one you, with the dongle, you can probably pick one of those up for 10 bucks or less. So it just kind of depends, you know, where your budget is, what you want to do. But as far as the connection goes, you know, as far as the connection and the performance of that connection, you're not really going to notice a whole lot of difference. So whichever one you choose is basically based on the application that you want to use it for. So to kind of wrap things up, you got to have the right mouse for the right job. If you're just doing regular browsing and email and different things like that, 
you really don't need an over-the-top gaming mouse or you know anything like that. You can make do with a regular, normal, fairly cheap, but good-feeling mouse, and you will have no problems. If you're a avid gamer, you want something that's more accurate, then you want something with a higher DPI or a higher polling rate. Usually, and also with that, you, the weight of the mouse, I forgot to talk about that too, but the weight usually actually has something a lot to do with it too. Uh, gaming mice are usually lighter. That was one of the, the things I forgot to say. Um, if you want something that, like if you're using productivity suites and different things like that, you don't need to use very fast motions when you're using a mouse. So you can use a heavier mouse that's going to allow you to be more precise. If you're using like a doing a lot of video editing or photo editing or stuff like that, there's mice that actually have a lot of buttons on the side that'll let you program them to do different things. So you can do different things straight from the mouse rather than having to go in through menus and do make and make changes. And basically they, they call that a macro. So you can use macros on a mouse to do a lot of what you're trying to do without having to go through the menus. It just makes it a lot easier. So there are mice like that also. So basically you just want to find the right mouse for the right job. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm trying to lead you today. The biggest thing is what are you planning to do with that mouse? You know, and that's kind of what you need to let dictate what type you should look at. And once you know that, then you can go into basically something that's completely and utterly subjective and that's the feel every hand is different every mouse is different you know a mouse that i like and fits good in my hand probably won't fit good in yours but that's one of the things you got to actually go look at you know if you want something that has a lot of buttons on it you may have a different grip that you like to use there's a few different grips there's the the palm grip the claw grip fingertip grip you know there's different ones that you can use and that most people just gravitate toward naturally you know and some mouse designs will help you while you use that type of grip some some designs will have a higher back some will have a bigger uh bigger buttons in the front some will have more buttons on the side it just kind of depends on how your hand fits in that mouse and how it feels you know and once you find a design that you like then you can go into materials because some will have rubberized sides, some won't, some will be slicker, some will be a little more matte. Again, it's completely and utterly subjective. And that leads me into the question of what's the perfect mouse? And again, it's ultimately what mouse will fit your hand the best, which one is the most comfortable to use, and which one meets your needs. So there's really not an all-around mouse that you can say is perfect for everybody. There's going to be one or a few different types that are good for a lot of people, but there's only going to be one that's going to be the best for you. And it depends a lot on your, your preference. The perfect mouse for you is probably still out there. So you just have to keep looking until you find it. And just like I end every podcast, a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard, technology can replace the work of many people but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for listening. I do appreciate every single one of you. You're all amazing. I love you. I'll see you right back here in the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.